another episode of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's ready to read the nominations and hand out the awards. In this episode, we talk about Netflix films, the Golden Globes, and Loom Room. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Lauren Rubin. I'm Patrick Hill. So slowly start raising that music, because it's time to play off another episode. Kindly get the f*** out. kick every episode off by going around the table which is where we talk about something new fun and noteworthy about our weeks this is i know last week was our first like uh like actual episode of 2020 but this is our first fully in 2020 episode so welcome to 2020 guys hey welcome welcome we we made it 2020 so i it's weird i had two thoughts i part of me felt like Man, we haven't actually recorded a podcast in a really long time. And then I looked and realized, oh, we just released one last week. So for yeah. some, for whatever reason, doing the special episode, it, it didn't register my brain as actually recording an episode. So it feels like we've been off for a while. But but also what you just said, this feels like now we've actually yeah, like started the year. Today's day one for me. Yeah. Right. We're in the year now. It's it's and and we even had their normal like record schedule and everything last week, but I agree. It's there's just like this different feel about kind of being back into the rhythm. Um and so uh yeah. It's so, that like post post New Year's Eve pre work time where it just like gets weird. Like yeah. the in between Christmas and New Year's is also just weird. And yeah. so we've just been in that zone for a while. You have way more free time than normal because like Work isn't really started up, and even if you have clients, they're not all back like on the schedule yet yeah. either. You can't so it's just get, kind of like everyone's. You can't get any feedback or anything, so everybody, it's just a hot hodgepodge yeah. of ridiculous for two and a half weeks. Yep. Here's what I learned about mm-hmm. myself. So I quit my job. Um, you learned which, that you're a quitter. I learned that I'm a well. I knew, I I knew you a were a quitter we, when yeah. you quit when I was your boss, and I was pissed. I wouldn't say any Ooh. of us learned anything. It was just I just you know again. Uh, just being me, but I, uh, I, qu- I quit my job. And, uh, so, um, and I, I started an, a new gig up. It actually just started today. So I had the normal, the two week break or whatever for Christmas. Um, and I thought, oh, I've got two weeks off. I'm going to watch so many movies. I'm going to, I'm going to go outside and like really put miles on my shoes, basically like get a lot of walking and running in and working out and watching movies. And, I am going to be the Patrick I've always known that lived inside of me. Um, no, I didn't. I, in fact, I did something about losing part of your schedule allows you to then just disregard all the other parts of your schedule. Like w- when you take out a bit of structure, it seems like a domino effect that wipes out all of your structure. So I, I feel like I've been this useless sack of you know meat, I guess. For two weeks, and I'm excited You feel that way, now. too, about yourself? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that was actually, my mom used to call me that growing up. Useless sack. And, <laughs> useless sack of meat. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I am very glad that I finally, finally had a proper uh, business work conversation today. Now I feel like I can be me again. It turns out not having, you know, it, it turns out not having a work did not make me a better person. I, I, I was a worse person. Yeah. So. I think... I, I have this like I mean I'm on that schedule but it, it takes an adjustment period where you do just like goof off for like a little while and then you'll kind of come up with your own schedule because you get 
at least for me, like I get super bored just doing nothing. So it's like, okay, time to do work. Let's do it. Well, okay. So it's been a year of having, for me, a very rigid and very intentional, specific calendar for me. And like my schedule has been, Mm -hmm. and Patrick will tell you, an unbending uh, dedication to a schedule. And so the last two weeks has been has been totally just like just thrown all that out the window last week i was sick for almost the entire week which threw me completely Mm -hmm. off and um it's it is it does totally mess with your psyche when you don't have things on the calendar the way that you would expect or have your your body kind of gets that muscle memory and um yeah it just it's really weird I also think if you're used to that like extreme schedule and like working a lot, that's what makes it so hard when you finally do manage to switch off to like switch back on. You know, but I, here's my okay. So here's my actual guess: what happens when you have to go to a job and you have to be there for family and and you know when you do have responsibilities like an actual adult, then it requires an increased level of intentionality to fit in the things that break up that that responsibility chain right and mm-hmm. um and i think what happened is you get to r- relax on the intentionality because you go oh I, I don't need to overthink it because now i just have all the time in the world then it's very easy to do nothing i, I think that's probably more of what's going on anyway i just really impressed myself um how little i could accomplish in two weeks well tell us what you have accomplished this week because you can just take us yeah. off on our round table that's fine. So I've uh, managed for the, to wear one pair of boxers the entire time. And I've been gauging. <laughs> which is honestly. That's Are you up, bragging? That's up half like, a pair. He typically. Yeah, I, I just opened the package my mom bought me in 2017 and pulled out a new set. Um, okay, so here's oh, what no. I've done. I, I, I have been this binging. That's not how this works. I have been binging some uh, Netflix shows. Um, but I think Lauren's going to has also binged all of those as well. So she's going to talk about them. I will talk about uh, one specifically though. Uh, I John, watch movies, not TV. It's no, no. I mean, I this, lumped for it one week for one week. Yeah. I, exactly. Um, but I did watch the uh, new John Mulaney special. It's called John Mulaney and the sack lunch bunch. And uh, the idea is that this is supposed to be a throwback to the the children's programming of old, you know, now if you watch children's programming, um, you know, someone's got an algorithm somewhere that just takes all these different elements and then it just spits out a TV show. That's what it feels like. And, and li- quite literally, if you go on YouTube, that is exactly what is happening is that you just plug in these elements and some some program just rearranges them and spits out a 10 minute video and it's just cocaine for children uh absolutely insane i've i've never seen so many different variations of color trains i didn't know they existed uh until my <laughs> my my like fellow siblings started having kids anyway um but john mulaney did not grow up on that and so he wanted to create a show that again was reminiscent of sesame street the electric company great space coaster like these these type of old shows and uh, and so that's what he did. Now that said, John Mulaney, as I'm sure you're aware, is a comedian, um, and so this special is in some ways um, I don't know that poking fun is the right way, but it's it's parodying these old children's shows, right? And it's comedic because he's a comedian, and yet at the same time, 
it is done so, so well. I mean, it serves as a great example of what these shows could be or, or were. So it manages to be a great parody and then also a great replication at the same time. Um, have either of you had a chance to watch this? I watched no. um, only the like post credits or ending credits thing that they did with um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw the trailer like, um, and I saw an interview John Mulaney did about it, so I was pretty curious. But I was on a like just movie train this week. Yeah. So uh, lots of um, celebrities uh, sprinkled in. So Jake Gyllenhaal, like you just said, uh, Annalie Ashford, Natasha Lyonne, who's from. Um, Oh, what was she just in on the Netflix show? Um, uh, uh, Russian Doll. Russian Dolls. I want to say Nesting Dolls. I was like, that's not it. I know I have happened. I mean, is she, is she the one who's from Orange is the New Black? Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, David Byrne, uh, the musician. Um, Richard Kind. Just, just tons of great celebrities. And then, of course, John Mulaney. And then this uh, assortment of kids. And, and they go through. It's this variety children's show. But the thing is, it, two, two pieces. One, like I said, it, it is very, very funny. But the second thing, it's actually touches on some really deep topics. So woven throughout these uh, these sketches, um, all the kids are being asked the same question, and they're being and not just the kids, but the celebrities as well. And that's what are you most afraid of? And they don't tell you that that's what's happening. But as you're hearing these responses, because you'll go from this really funny parody, and then it'll you'll cut into someone giving you a very serious pointed response about death or something and then it'll jump to another skit and so they don't tell you that's what's happening but what you realize is that everyone is answering the question what's your biggest fear what are you most scared of and that continues on and then finally at the end of the show john mulaney and his wife both answer the question and i don't know why but i found the whole thing very very uh moving and then it was also interesting the kids responses some of the responses were seemed profound and then some of the responses are like hilarious and ridiculous but i loved that it it was funny and then it chose to very seriously connect with these people and these celebrities at the exact same time in a way that um you know asking a question that everyone has a response for and uh, I, I just absolutely love the way it all unfolded. So I, I thought the, the show was a blast. Um, it is very quintessential John Mulaney. I mean, it's it's like uh, it's kind of the right. I, don't, I feel like I want to use the word zany when I'm describing him, partly because it rhymes with Mulaney, but partly because that's <laughs> kind of like his his energy. It's you know, it's this really like um, uh, cute, slightly upbeat, a little whatever energy like I. I love if you watch John Mulaney stuff, it just falls in line with that. Um, but it does end up being, um, <clears throat> it, it does end up having very real moments at times too, beyond just the surface of being a parody. So that's all. It's a, a huge endorsement for me. I mean, it's I think for what it is, it's it's a ten. So watch it, check it out, talk about it in Slack, tell us what you think, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch playing on Netflix. That's mine. Okay. I'll definitely check that out. Who are you tossing it to then? Lauren has more Netflix stuff. So I'm going to throw it to, we'll just yes. keep talking Netflix because that's, this part of the show is brought to you by Netflix. Huh. Actually, my recommendations in the short version are going to be from Hulu, but that's another streaming service. Don't that's even. also okay. great. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I just like dove into Hulu uh, this weekend because they have a lot of movies that I didn't realize were on there. I watched a lot of movies this week. It's just that week where like there's nothing new on TV. So I was diving in really deep on like all the movies on Amazon and Hulu. So one of the gems that I found in there is uh, Anna and the Apocalypse, which you guys said you have seen. And I yes. think that's awesome. And uh, it is a Zom rom-com musical that is set at Christmas. Did you, pra- <laughs> did you practice that? No, that's from Shaun of the Dead. A Zom rom-com? Yeah, like that was their like tagline for that movie. Hmm. And I love Shaun of the Dead, and so did the people who made this movie, for sure. Because uh-huh. I think one of the negative things I would say about it is that it borrows too much from Shaun of the Dead. But everything else about it that is new is really fun. Uh, the music is really good. The action scenes are fun. And I was genuinely surprised by like a lot of the twists at the end of the movie. So I would definitely recommend it. I put a link to the trailer in the show notes because it's definitely worth like getting a vibe of the music and everything because it's really fun. Can I, I, can, wait, wait, before so, you say this, Patrick, can I say something? I yes. am so excited that for once, Patrick is going to be the contrarian <laughs> to what you're saying. He feels the same way I feel, but I don't have to say it this time. Go ahead, Patrick. I, Go ahead. Uh, here's <laughs> you what guys I'll didn't say. like it. No, no, we, 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 so we saw the movie at Fantastic <laughs> Fest uh, in 2018, I believe. And... Um, and I was excited to see it. I liked the premise, and it, I think it's pretty in line with um, it fits really in line with something that that you know Andrew and I both would like. It, it just it my, my complaint is it fell a little bit too far to the high school production side, and that's what bugged me. Yes. I actually think the the movie could have been really good if the music like the production quality was higher the recording quality was higher the the people they chose to like sing and act were better i mean not to, yeah. i don't want to disparage anyone no, but no i i think you're right cuz it is kind of like a b level but like yeah. just done pretty well for whatever their resources were i thought like i don't know why they bothered to give everybody terrible wigs that was one of the things that was just stupid but like well, every, the i liked it it's just ben fun Wiggins. like maybe that's why um yeah. maybe his family like makes them um, yeah, I, man, it's it's one of those movies that to me had so much promise. And watching in the the trailer for it, the trailer is great. And uh, yeah. getting into the film, I I was really excited for it. And it was just a bit too. Again, you you described it as B level. It was just a bit too B level for me. So that's how I felt about it. Yeah, I, I was, think because it took me so long to see it that like I kind of forgot that there was like hype about it, and I hadn't uh, seen the trailer in a long time. So just like, oh yeah, I want to watch that one. I remember hearing about it. It to me was um, the way that the the way that the trailer communicated it and what I was ready for based on the trailer because I was super excited based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. It for me felt like it was going to be like um oh I just totally blanked on the name. Patrick, what's the one that you the, the one that you love so much uh with the you love the soundtrack to the zombie? It's uh where the zombie oh, yeah, starts to come um, back to life. <laughs> oh my with R the zombie's name is R. Yes, yeah. Um uh, what is this one? You've seen Warm it. Bodies. Warm, Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. Yeah. Gosh. Oh. Like this, uh. this, you didn't like Warm Bodies? I Not saw at that. All. I saw Warm Bodies three <laughs> times in theaters. And that's, and that's, that's what okay. I wanted. That's and this, what I wanted. And this is why you're on the show, because you're the opposite <laughs> of what we like. 
Um, but it, yeah, okay. like I, I was love Shaun of the Dead. That's the best zombie movie ever. I was expecting it to be like um, Warm Bodies, and it super wasn't, which is why you liked it and why I didn't like it. I think. Yeah. So yeah. hey, Warm Bodies though, if you didn't watch it, one of the uh, from that year, maybe the best soundtrack of any film that came out that year. That soundtrack is great very i will i will say that yeah the soundtrack is good i just didn't really care for the movie as much oh i saw it three times oh i loved it so much it's funny though i was like really good zombie movie with an awesome soundtrack yes we talk about Shaun of the dead and then you're like his name is r what (laughs) no patrick that was that was even when you had movie pass though right i think you still had movie pass when warm bodies was out so yeah yeah absolutely Mm. yeah Okay. No Sorry, I'm not, I, I didn't say I paid for it three times. No, 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 no. I just said I've seen it, and then that that soundtrack has been on repeat for a while. So I still have songs from that soundtrack in my uh, starred playlist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. What else you got, Lauren? And then another one that I'm literally just going to mention the title of because this is all you need to know about like whether or not you would want to watch this movie. It's on Hulu, and it's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. And That's Sam Elliott the, is the guy is who the... plays that character, and it's great. It is ridiculous. It's not like a wait, great wait. movie, but like it's super fun. Is it Sam Elliott or is it just Sam Elliott's mustache in the leading role? Just kidding. <laughs> I assume that they each get separate billing whenever he does a part. Yeah. I would hope so, because it's spectacular as always. <laughs> but it's a really just it's a weird movie. If you like silly horror <laughs> or like silly sci-fi movies, give it a shot. Cause it is a good time (laughs) wow okay the man who killed hitler and bigfoot it's good okay (laughs) and that's all that needs to be said um all right like that is what the movie's about i don't there's nothing else to explain i'm sure you guys haven't seen it but if you want a weird one there's probably more you could explain but that's okay you don't need to is it is it sam elliott smoking a pipe sitting at a bar just telling stories that's Uh, what i imagine it's him like flashing back uh, as he like goes through different things to uh, the past. And then when he's old, he goes to kill Bigfoot. Okay. So he kills Hitler and then he goes In to his kill youth, Hitler yes. or then he goes to kill Bigfoot. So the way that I was yeah. hearing you say that is the man who killed Hitler and then also Bigfoot. Like also there's another topic no. and it's Bigfoot. Like that's what I wasn't no, like, understanding. Like, <laughs> no, the title of the movie is The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. That's the full title of the movie. I assume that if Creed Bratton <laughs> had a movie made about so him, n- this would be the movie. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> if I can't scuba, then what's it all been for? Then what's it all been about? <laughs> okay. It's awesome. Who, uh, you don't have to, you, you, it's me. I'm the only other person left. You can't toss it to anybody else. Um, all right, <laughs> so a couple things that I got over the last couple of weeks that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, one of them is uh, a piece that I got. I, I interviewed on the uh, the last episode of last year for um, the art department. I interviewed Dennis Salvatierre and uh, Tenoshi Boy. And I picked up a couple of his little BFFs um, for a couple of my little BFFs. And so uh, I showed you last week. I was waiting to, until you got it to talk about it, but then I couldn't wait anymore, so, so I just showed you. Um, <laughs> but I picked up the little BFF of The Mandalorian and The Child, uh, for me and for Lauren for Christmas. Um, it's super, it's awesome. And it came with, I ordered the the print and he sent stickers with it as well. So, um, that it's was really cute. Thank you, Dennis. If you, if you are a fan of little cute things, it's four by six. So it's e- super easy to frame. Um, really nice quality, uh, digital print, really nice. 
and um, it's just adorable. So if you're a fan of that uh, that kind of deal, it's super reasonable. The link to purchase these is in the show notes. Go pick one up. Such a rad dude. Such a nice guy. Um, get awesome art for a good price, and it goes to a good place. Honestly, it's a it's a win win win. That's where we all win, and Michael wins. Um, the other thing that I got uh, that I'm really excited about on the Star Wars train uh, is Ty Matson uh, paired up with Theory Eleven again, our our friends over at Theory Eleven, and he did the Star Wars playing cards, and these things are freaking amazing. Uh, I'm showing Lauren and Patrick right now. Oh, you, they look so cool. You see, like, they're super embellished. Like, I have the light side and the dark side, and they are, like, they're oh, I love that. foil and embossed and absolutely incredible. And what you'll also notice is that they're still oh, both man. sealed because I cannot bring myself to open them. So I'll probably be ordering a second set um, that I can actually open. <laughs> Uh, I have seen like online, they have pictures of what they look like, obviously. And you can go to the show notes and look at them. They are absolutely beautiful and incredible. Um, I just, I can't bring myself to pop the seal. I will pop the seal the second I press order on my second order. Um, because I definitely want to play with so them, funny. but they are so nice. Like just that sticker. Yeah. I want to leave, I want to leave the, like the, the little sticker un yeah. unencumbered. You know what I mean? I want to I want to leave it uh, intact. And so, but these are absolutely beautiful. Light side, dark side. Each Those are one really cool. has you know obviously they're themed accordingly. All the characters, all the face cards of the dark side ones are all Sith um, and dark side characters, and all on the light side are all of like the the rebellion or the resistance or um, Jedi, and it's just. If you know Ty Matson's work, it definitely falls in line with what he does. He he Ty Madison is Matson is who just redid all of FAO Schwartz branding a year ago when they were relaunching oh, cool. everything. So he did all the packaging for that. Um and this 100 percent falls in line with that. And Theory 11 does absolutely beautiful um execution of things. Like they do they do top quality everything. Um, so you will not be disappointed in the packaging. You won't be disappointed in the the the, the print quality or the the card quality. And just like the Mandalorian print, like I was talking about, super reasonable. Each deck is only ten dollars, so you get the set for twenty bucks. Um, they're just incredible. So I will be getting another set that I can actually take out and play with, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Uh, go check out the show the show notes and get the link to go get your own. Um, and uh, tell them we sent you. Finally, something that I got that I didn't even know was out. I talked about this. Um, I talked about the first part of this at the, the beginning part of, of 2019. Um, I got a book that I was just in love with, um, and it was just incredible. And it was a book by um, Tomi uh, Adeyemi, Adeyemi, I believe is how you say it. Um, but she wrote the, the book. It was a number one New York Times bestselling book, which is Children of Blood and Bone. And it is a part one of what will be a trilogy. Part two just came out and I stumbled across it when I went to Target the other oh, day. Yeah. And so Children of Virtue and Vengeance is now out. The artwork on the, the, the book cover is absolutely phenomenal yeah, it's really cool um in fact if you give me a hot second i can probably tell you who how did how long did you say the second book has been out for it's i mean it just has come out in in the last couple of weeks 
I like, remember yeah, when you were reading the first one and you just would not put it down. Oh no, it's absolutely the story. Yeah, I is think fantastic. Trevor read this too. The story is fantastic, and I'll I'll, I'll give you a quick uh, synopsis. I, I read the the synopsis, and I'll give it to you here in a second. The artist who did the illustration for this cover is Sarah Jones. Um, mm-hmm. Man, it's just it's a nice one. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, okay, so here's the quick synopsis of the book to see. Now, obviously, you're going to want to read the first one before you before you jump into this one. But here's a quick synopsis of this one. After battling the impossible, uh, Zele and Amiri uh, have finally succeeded in bringing magic back to the land. You know what? I'm not going to read this. If you haven't if you haven't read the first one, it's going to be a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. What about is summarizing the first one instead? <laughs> um. Uh, magic is something that is, uh, something that was very prevalent in the land and it's, uh, this is a made up land, but, um, mm-hmm. it's based on like African folklore. <clears throat> um, but, uh, the, the stories of magic have, have taken over and people know of it, but they're not really, it's not active in the world. Well, as, um, the story unfolds, characters start to display uh, promise of being able to use it, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. And the story is really, really good. Okay. So uh, go read that book for sure. Start with that one, and then this one uh, is is ready to go. So like anything, if, you, if you're a person who likes to wait until everything is done so that you can binge it, if you're like, I mean, that's how I am typically. Um, and so I was very excited after having read that first one and having to wait for over a year for the next one. I was very excited to see it on the shelves, picked it up. And that Target, if you get your, if you go to Target and tell them that we sent you, um, they'll give you 20% off. So uh, go, uh, <laughs> go check that out. They love us over at Target. Um, just tell them that, that we sent you. So Children of Virtue and Vengeance, uh, Tomi Adeyeme, I think is how you say the author's name. Um, and Sarah Jones is who did the cover for this one. I don't think it's the same artist who did the first one. The first one's a little bit different. Um, yeah, but I absolutely love it. They, they look great on the shelf together, um, but they're not exactly the same artist. Uh, something that Patrick brought up that, uh, he, he, he reminded me of the people who did, um, the website for the star. If you, first of all, if you go to theory 11 and you click on the star Wars, uh, deck it takes you to like this this sub page that they have or this sub site where they they lay everything out and it's actually incredibly well done um lots of really cool effects and uh the photography is absolutely phenomenal well our friends uh, the forefathers did that and so um man th- there's so many fingerprints on this deck that make this an absolute must have um, that uh, it gets my gets my 100% thumbs up. All three of these products that I just talked about, 100%. Go get them. You have my my blessing. As if you need it, but it's absolutely great. Um, okay, I think that's gonna be it for our around the table. We've got some fun stuff coming up in our categories, so uh, let's hop to it. So every week we like to tell you guys about some stuff that's that's out, the news and the the goings on. That's what we would say these are, right? Sure, that's no. fine. Um, yeah. But uh, Lauren, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So continuing my binging of movies over this like funky holiday week, uh, I watched Marriage Story on Netflix, which is a pretty good movie. I thought I would like it a lot more than I did, but I still think it's definitely worth watching. And I know it's getting a lot of awards attention that 
I think is very deserved. Both Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are very good in it. Well, uh, Laura Dern won the Golden Globe for oh, Best yeah. Supporting Actress uh, last night. Yeah, she deserves it. She's so funny in that movie. I love Laura Dern. Uh, it's it's really good. Like uh, I thought I would just be like crying this entire movie after I watched the trailer, so I like waited to watch it alone and everything, so I wouldn't be totally embarrassed. And I only cried at the very, very, very end, which uh, I don't think it's really like a spoiler to say, but like the very last line of the movie is it because uh, you're which a is, robot? Like, no, I cry all the time. Like they say in the movie, I cry really easily in movies. Like usually I'm like, yeah, and that made me cry three times. That's me. But that only the very ending. And it's I think it's just that sentiment of that last sentence. So if you've seen the movie, you'll probably remember it is really, really, really beautiful. So yeah. it's worth watching the whole movie for that 10 seconds. OK. And but I think that's the point. Like, I think yeah. the idea is that that it is all building to this moment and if so i you know it's funny i um what you just described is how i described once upon a time in hollywood because you have people that watch the film and and go like oh well not really anything happened and then the end this like this really frenetic part happened but for me um you had to have the slow tension build for that entire runtime in order to create this climactic payoff that you got. And if it didn't exist, then it, it wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have, have felt that jump in your heart like I know that I did. Although I also have heart yeah. palpitations and it could have been that. But am I, Yeah, so <laughs> you have a medical disorder that we're, we're working into, we're looking into. So I, I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, marriage story for like the last three minutes of the film, I was like openly like weeping. You, yeah, watching that movie like I was so glad that it was like midnight and everybody in my household was asleep because I was just sitting on the edge of my chair just like weeping watching that I, I thought Adam Driver and there's probably three points specifically in that film where I just felt like his acting was just gave me like a whoa moment um, yeah. I don't want to give away what those were because I want you to watch it but I, I really really loved him uh, in I'm the gonna film. ask it, you what they were later. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. He, he has a really good interview with Colbert that I would I would suggest listening to, um, where he he explains a bit more about the film. But it's to say it is a love story told through the lens of divorce, and it, and it's about two oh, yeah. people who genuinely want this to be an easy thing, and they want what's kind of best for each other. But they're not the only two people involved because they have a child and then they have lawyers and then they have parents. And so you have everyone else's agendas and feelings and whatever that are pooling, creating this kind of situation that at one point feels is completely out of control for the both of them is what it feels mm -hmm. like. And um, it, it's I, I really was fascinated by the film. But anyway, the interview with Adam Driver is, is very good. I'll, I'll repeat one thing he said which I thought was interesting. Uh, Stephen Colbert asked him, uh, if you had not been married, could you have played this part? And mm. um, his, his quick answer was, of course. I mean, he's an actor. He, he literally gets paid to pretend to, pretend. to be, yeah. be things, right? It's <laughs> like he's never had the force, but he can be Kylo Ren. So uh, obviously he can make it work. But what I liked is that he said that... Um, um, he has to do research, but his job is not to just go and feel all these feelings and emote on screen. 
that's not his job. And in fact, if you watch people do that, it would be boring. And it, it for them, it's very self-serving. His job is to go recreate the thing he's told to recreate. And his feelings don't matter. He doesn't need to bring his feelings into it. Now, if the audience chooses to feel things or the audience connects with it, that's great. But his job isn't to have feelings. His job is to just do what he's told to do and then allow the the person watching, it's their job to feel. His job is to thought, have doings. Yeah, he I, has I just to do things. A, we have to feel that. It was a very that. interesting sentiment. Um, but anyway, I... It's probably I, why Adam Driver is so much better than a lot of other actors. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and apparently, I so I have been told, I have a close friend of mine that told me that, um, um, oh, the uh, Scarlett Johansson, that apparently that uh, this was a very emotional role for for her, and yes. so I haven't. So she's gone not as good of an actress. <laughs> I <laughs> haven't not, gone. I'm not saying that. I just think he's really good. Like always. I haven't gone and watched her interviews yet, but I've been told you should watch those as well because that might may add another layer to the film for you. I think, well, I think a lot of the movie is told from her side of the story, so it is a little more interesting to hear about his side. That's yeah. the, one of my small complaints about the movie. But I, it's, a, it's a really good movie. It's just it's uh, so quiet and nice. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it, it is like benign in that you're literally just watching the process of two people get a divorce. Yeah, like I was saying, That's you couldn't it. spoil this movie. If you watch the trailer, you know what happens. It's about about a couple that breaks up. That's what the movie is about. It, but yeah. it's like and watching fact, the, uh, the people go through it and like, it, yeah. yeah, it's you heartbreaking. May learn, you may learn a bit about divorce law. Like, I, like literally, it's yeah. just two people getting divorced. It's very benign in that way. And still, like, again, I was just absolutely weeping at the end of the film. So I that's that's yeah my bit and i also want to shout out um i'm gonna say this vaguely the the scene with the knife they captured what it is like to faint so well i've never seen a movie capture it so good like <laughs> oh my gosh i forgot and about like, that scene until you just said it's, it holy cow i actually had to like pause and walk away because i've had similar things happen Two people in front of me and to me, and so I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it got too <laughs> this is a lot for me. It yeah, <laughs> like uh, uh, it's it's a really like honest accident, and it just goes so for bad. For someone so that hasn't seen the it, film, yeah. to know that it's related to divorce and there's a knife involved in someone fainting, <laughs> this sounds like something a lot bigger than it is. But yes, that scene was incredible. Um, yeah. Okay, I have to stop talking about it. Yeah, I just have to shout out that I've never seen anything capture that so well. <laughs> so that was great. And then uh, I also want to mention The Irishman, which is the other big Netflix movie that's kind of being talked about for awards. And I, this is definitely, uh, I, wa- I rewatched most of it. I didn't have time to make it all the way through a second time. Uh, but it's definitely one of my top movies of the year. Like, I don't know where it falls exactly in top three, but it's up there and it is a really good movie. Uh, I think you have to, we, I think all of us have seen it, right? Yes. 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 Yay. <laughs> this doesn't always happen. <laughs> um, I think you have to talk about the de-aging. I think this is absolutely the best version of it that exists so far. Like it's much better than anything else, but uh, I do wonder what the movie would have been like if they would have cast younger actors in the times when they're younger, because 
it isn't it is noticeable like it's not the seamless like it's really really good especially when they're doing close-ups uh, like in which a lot of the movie is just chat mm-hmm. like conversations so i think that works well but uh when you see them like doing more physical stuff or you see more of their body i think it's more noticeable and i did yeah. watch it again to look at this and uh, so that's you know i know i'm putting a microscope on it but that, so, that's a big part of the movie. So I don't, I think it's worth mentioning, but I think that there's an interesting dynamic that happens with these very old actors playing the younger characters because they inherently have this gravitas in them. Like, which is why I think you just can't take your eyes off of Joe Pesci's character the whole time. Well, and so, yeah. So I think there's two things in, at, at play. I agree. This film was absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know that I'd say it was top three. You, you're just saying for the year, not in general. For me personally, for, for this for the, year, yeah. For the year, yeah, okay. So Yeah, yeah, um, for this year, sorry. Because yeah, we talked about this last week and yeah. I put it on my list. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's very, very good. The three-hour, 29-minute runtime initially I thought was going to be too cumbersome. Patrick and I were literally, not because there was like, not because it was like super intense, but because it was so drawing, it drew you in so well. At the mm-hmm. end of the film, with 20 minutes left, we're in, we're over three hours into this film. Patrick and I are literally sitting forward on the edge of our seats. I, I noticed mm-hmm. I'm, li- I'm like sitting on the edge of his couch with my hands on my knees or with my elbows on my knees, and he's doing the same thing on the chair. So it's like, after three hours to be that committed to something that's not an action movie that's not this quick like the storytelling is absolutely front and center um Mm -hmm. and i think what happens with the de-aging the de-aging uh the first two minutes i think for me that's what it took for me to get used to it but two minutes into a three hour and 29 minute movie is microscopically tiny and so forgivable that you don't even have in my mind i don't even have to mention that there was a little bit of a a learning curve to it because it was so well done and i loved how much they the the way in which you knew the era of the story because it bounced around so much was because of how they looked oh this was Mm -hmm. 30 years prior to where we are now or this was 40 years prior or this is this is present time or this is, you know, whatever. Like, I think that helped the storytelling so much. It wasn't just a, like a kitschy, like fun way to use technology. No. And that's why I think using younger, like using different actors would have been the absolute wrong decision for this film because two reasons. I think it, it really elevated the fact that it was easy to tell the era based on their, their actual age, but on, but, but on top of that, these actors know what it was like to be themselves that age. So it's easier for them to actually go back and pull and draw from that as opposed to other actors trying to look to what the characters are going, what the actors are going to be and emulating what they are now, but being younger without the experience. I think this is a situation where we benefited as the audience from them having had an entire breadth of life to be able to look back on and retell those. And it's a fictional story. Well, it's, it's, truth and fiction put together like historical fiction or whatever. right it's historical fiction but 
I think we benefited from the fact that they are going back and telling the story from their perspective and they actually know what it was like to be that age in that era. I think for me, it was perfect. Yeah, I I don't disagree, but I did like think about it a lot of like what, what, like, was this totally necessary? But like, it is what it is. And I think it works really well in this movie. And like, it would be, it would be a different movie with different actors. So yeah, I, like, you know, it, and this is pretty magic what they made. I yeah. definitely, I mean, I definitely agree. Uh, and it's obvious that the body does not flow the same. <laughs> right. They, that's, that's we even, we even thing, commented like, on that. There was one point where, okay, that's not in the a beginning 40 year when old he beats body. Up the grocer. That's exactly yeah. the part it, where we like, saw it. It's like, that would not be that's like, a, that's yeah. a 70 year old man with a different face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, but, the, but I the, think there's something to that, especially because it's like his memories of these people. So like it, it, it does add something to the movie, it being the same people. Yeah. It just well, as a train of also, thought, you know, I about think, Pacino and Pesci and uh, uh, De Niro, Niro, yeah, they are so uniquely them that I just don't Mm -hmm. even know how. I I think, frankly, it might be even more confusing to try to piece together which actors play in Pesci because they're they're all very very unique people and and not just um, facial features but also the performances they give you know I almost think yeah I think it would just be like impersonations of them the whole time yeah it would be a situation like you had with Solo when everybody complained that what's his name's just doing an impression of Harrison Ford that's what we would have had is that times three or four so um, so I'm glad they did the de-aging but uh, but of course it didn't uh, flow their bodies don't move the same way but the facial stuff are limitations you know convincing Um, you know, I am so glad that this film got made that I think that's Mm -hmm. the thing that, that sticks with me. And yes, that's also a riff off the fact that in the mob, you become a made man. So I have done two things just now, but (laughs) theaters don't want to show three and a half hour long movies because when you have to sell a block that large, you can only get a couple showings in every evening. And so you sell less seats, you make less money. Theaters want to play hour and a half long movies, two hour long movies. They don't want to play three and a half hour. That was one of the criticisms. I say criticism. That was one of the worries uh, about uh, in whatever the latest Marvel film we just saw was. Endgame. Uh, uh, Endgame. Yeah. I almost said Infinity War. Endgame is that would it break these box office numbers when you can't sell as many seats? So anyway, three and a half hours is a lot. On top of that, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, so I, I'm going to just pull a number out of my butt right now. Um, Patrick, put your pants back on. No, check out this number. <laughs> um, oh, that was relevant <laughs> to the conversation. But they, they spent something like $300 million or something on this film, and, and a large part of that is de-aging. There's a large mm-hmm. portion of budget uh, went to de-aging. Again... What studio wants to take that type of risk with a film? Yes, these actors are big names, but actors don't necessarily sell seats the way they used to. It used to be you slap an actor's name on it and everybody shows up, but that's not necessarily how it is now. And on top of that, yes, we've had Casino and yes, we've had uh, Goodfellas and whatever, but will people show up again? So for a studio to say, we're going to put hundreds of millions of dollars we're going to allow you to do a three-and-a-half-hour runtime. We're going to pay for all this talent with, uh, again, Scorsese and Pesci and Pacino and De Niro. The Netflix was the only people that would do that. 
And then yeah. it ended up being an actually really, really good movie. I'm just so happy. This could have so easily been a disaster for everyone involved. And I am so happy that it is the movie I think I expected it to be. I it's 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 so interesting because like uh, I think you're right yeah like this in this day in this time like this only would exist on Netflix and I wonder if they ever talked about making it uh, some kind of episode like show versus a movie because it was it so be long an awesome and it could have been longer it could have been, been awesome longer show. yeah like it, it kind of reminds me of like Mindhunter where it's like you know like David Lynch directed that it's really good because of that and I it is so compelling that I'm like oh gosh why is it over like and this is the same kind of thing uh I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was gonna say like this, and especially when you watch the trailer for this movie, this looked like so typically Scorsese, like especially because of him having his like dream team of actors. Also, right. that I was like, do I need to see this movie? Is it just like him kind of recalculating all of his greatest hits? But I think it is that. But it's like, what happens when a gangster gets old? Because they're not really supposed to get old, right? Like, that, and yeah. that's and that's the thing, yeah. right? Like they oh they have gosh. outlived their profession. Yeah, Andrew. and so like for Scorsese to take the gangsters of like the ones that like the people you like think of immediately when you think of gangsters and make it make them make this movie, it is really special. Mm -hmm. My favorite quote so far is Andrew said this movie was more terrifying to him than the than it, it chapter two. Yeah, I did at the end of this film. Yeah. We just sat there. I was affected for for several minutes like it was just quiet after this movie because it mm -hmm. is terrifying to think that you can live your whole life like that and to grow old and growing old is always seen as like you you want to live a longer life but he has outlived all of these people who have meant so much to him and and the yeah. not solitude but the the isolation that that ultimately comes and the sadness and it just to me hit me so so hard um it yeah like, it terrified me more yeah, like it just seems so I, I, lonely i don't want i don't want to suffer that fate i would rather suffer the fate yeah. of some of the guys who get shot in the face seven times like you know what i mean I, like i would rather I, have I think, that i, bet be I my... think i think that's the whole point of the movie where it's like that's the life that he expected to live and he's the only one who made it to the retirement home well, and so he, he can't tell anyone his story he doesn't relate to his family right he, like nobody else gets it yeah he outlived his life yeah mm -hmm. like that that's what happened that was it so oh man yeah it's a it's very good movie. good movie don't be scared by the runtime if you made it through endgame or lord of the rings you can do it you absolutely you should i would you. say you should do it this movie is a movie that you should see it's not for everybody in like the traditional sense like it's not a family film but i think no every adult person should watch this movie on because you can pull something away on some level because i think that uh, what are you laughing at well loved by all well Died i just causes you were thinking of your own epitaph at the end of this thing cool no i was i was thinking of the epitaphs they have throughout the film <laughs> oh yeah um, oh yeah so uh i think this Which is a movie so that you shocking can... the first time mm-hmm I think you can just you can pull stuff away from from it no matter who you are. So it's not just a gangster film, you know. It's not just it's no. not that. It's not your your quintessential and gangster film. I think even as like a Scorsese film, it stands out as being like a lot more emotional and like just really about this one guy, like just his life. Yeah. Yep. All right. Are those so, your awesome so that's movie. your 
That's your category, Netflix movies. And so obviously they took, they stole the show at the Golden Globe. So Patrick, why don't you take it? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Five nominations, zero wins for the Irishman. So uh, la- so we just had the Golden Globes this week. I keep saying last night because we don't record the day you hear this show. That would be insane. Uh, we record on Monday. The Golden Globes are on Sunday. They just happened. And... Um, uh, the show is fine. I, Ricky Gervais hosted. I'm sure you've been seeing lots of articles about, you know, Ricky Gervais tearing up Hollywood and people offended and whatever. He he's always great as a host. I, this is his, is it his third Golden Globes? Fifth time. Fifth. Fifth. Fifth Golden Globes. Oh my gosh. Uh, go back and watch the old. The, the monologues are on YouTube. Just go back and look them up. Uh, you know, I he's I'm, great. I'm not a fan <laughs> of his humor necessarily. Obviously, I I uh, respect the the man that brought us The Office. Uh, I don't necessarily get on board with all of his humor, and I could never follow the man on Twitter, but he is incredible in this type of role, and so uh, really, really enjoyed it. Now, that said, the Golden Globes, I wouldn't say always line up with uh, my feelings about TV and film that year. Uh, Last year, we had a couple uh, big surprises, and then we had a couple big variations from that to the Oscars. And uh, this year was also very, very surprising. Yes, Lauren. What were the winners last year? I don't remember. All of them. List for them like, off alphabetically. <laughs> no, oh, I meant for like best movie and, and like just that stuff, like the really big categories. Uh, I will pull them up for you and I'll tell you because if you had asked me when we weren't in the middle of recording, I literally, I could have told you, but now my Sorry. mind is so full that I just, I can't uh, remember anything. Well, we've talked about a lot of other things already, so sorry. We have. Uh, if I remember, did Roma win the Golden Globe for Best Picture? And then at the Oscars, oh, Roma yeah. lost to Green Book. Yes. I want to say that was the Best Picture. Uh, that was least, last year because I was shocked. Yeah, yeah, and then I I will have to go back through and look at the other ones. But um, anyway, um. But the big news for me this year, and this is what we've been talking about, Netflix actually had 34 nominations last night. They had 17 nominations on the TV side. They had 17 nominations on the film side. They had more nominations than any other studio that was present at the event. Um, They walked away with one award in the film category and one award in the TV category. So the (laughs) film category that they walked away with uh, was um, who we said before, Laura Dern, who got Best Supporting Actress uh, in a comedy or musical. Just kidding. It's a marriage story. It's obviously a drama. And then <laughs> uh, the other award was to, I can't remember the woman's name, that's in The Crown, but I forgot oh, her name. Oh, uh, right Olivia Wilde? Yes. she's Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, I, just, I love her. I, I don't care what she does. She's been nominated twice. She's won twice. Uh, she deserves more nominations and wins because she's just fantastic. Um, she's a wonderful human being. <laughs> but somehow... The Irishman squeaked out with no wins. Dolomite is my name didn't pick up a win. Marriage Story lost out on several nominations that it had, um, uh, uh, along with whatever the others were. Again, 34 nominations and only two wins. Now, certainly a lot of people are capable of winning any given category. I mean, I know several awards came up last night that they would have two or three different people that I would totally understand a win. It, it makes total sense for a win. And we're dealing with an you know, incredibly talented uh, white male group of people. Just kidding. An incredibly <laughs> talented uh, group of people. And um, so I, I understand that awards don't always follow the direction you're going to because it, it really could be a 50-50 situation or a 33-33-33 situation. Um, that said, 
knowing that, it almost makes it feel even more intentional that Netflix could be the have the most nominations of any other studio, could have three best picture nominees out of a field of five, and then could still walk away with only one win in the film category and one win in the TV category. So that was the surprise for me. That said, and I know I think Andrew's waiting to jump in on the discussion. I'm going to let you. But I do want to real quick, before we get into more discussion. No, no, no. I'm going to let you finish. Oh, Beyonce. my gosh. I was about to say it. <laughs> I do want to tell you my favorite win. I want to say a positive thing first before we say anything else. My favorite win of the night was Laika picking up Best yes. Animated yes. Film. Yes. Absolutely. Oh that was my so hands deserved. down favorite moment because that movie did not. So first of all, I am ashamed to say this next part. So you might have to edit it out. I never ended up seeing it. And I am such a big proponent of Leica and of their films and all these Don't other worry, things. Not many people did. So I know. And so that's why when it was up against, I actually didn't either toy story Four, whatever I thought, there's no way this film is going to win against any of these. Like I didn't even give it a shot. And so when they said the missing link, I jumped out of my seat. I was so excited and uh, it's instantly on my queue to, to watch or I already put it um, mm -hmm. on my, my uh, Apple wish list to watch. Um, and I think that will boost. It'll probably get more subsequent watches and views and uh, revenue after the Golden Globes than it did prior to the Golden Globes. You know, I hope so. Leica has been on a bit of a losing streak, not in terms of creativity or quality, but just in people showing up in the theater. Unfortunately, I think every film that they've released has performed a little bit worse than the last one. But I feel like Leica is a treasure. I mean, I, I feel like they deserve... I don't agree with that. I feel like they that, that, that they did a, they've gone down because like Kubo is so good. Like no, but no, no I'm saying box office numbers. Oh, have okay, gone okay, okay. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I thought you saying you don't you prefer them <laughs> no, in that no, no, order. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. No, their box office numbers have literally done a little bit worse every single film they've released, and I hate that because they are a treasure. And I would, I would, it would be a horrible loss if Leica suddenly couldn't produce films anymore. So yes. I, I was very happy that they won that. That's my big upside of the night. And then also succession uh, picked mm -hmm. up their two nominations and succession season two was fantastic. Oh my gosh. That last mic drop at the last episode was insane. So all that said, Andrew, <laughs> yes, sir. We had a bit of a conversation about this earlier today. Yeah. I, so I, I need to go and open it up to you. Do you feel like Netflix got snubbed at the Golden Globes? I don't. Based on your definition of the word snubbed, so snubbed to you, and this maybe is the actual definition, I don't know, but you saying snubbed, I asked you to clarify, and you said that snubbed being that they were making an intentional statement by not giving Netflix these things as a way of saying you don't belong here. This isn't your this isn't your place, whatever. So I don't think that's the case. I think that this year, especially with the films, there were a lot of really, really good films. A lot of films that um, there might be some that I liked better than others or that I enjoyed more than others. But in general, the the quality of film that that was represented this year was like next level. And so what you're choosing from is you're, you're choosing from a plus and a plus plus. Like that's what you're choosing from. Like the margin is so thin. It, it is such a hairline margin, in my opinion. 
the big the, the biggest conversation for us came from um Joaquin Phoenix uh taking uh mm-hmm. the the best actor in a drama and you didn't feel like that was deserved over some of the other people and in my opinion I would have been fine with Leonardo DiCaprio winning it I would have been fine with any of these other guys winning it because they were all stellar. Now, was I happy that Joaquin Phoenix won? Yeah, because I loved the Joker. Joker was my favorite film of last year. So was I happy to see that that awarded in that way? Absolutely. But it's not, it's not outlandish. It's not like they gave it to, you know, you've got Joaquin Phoenix and Leonardo DiCaprio and all these different, you know, A-plus actors. And then they end up giving it to some, you know, they give it to the guy that played Clark, you know Clark Kent on Smallville like that would feel you know what I mean like that would feel like a total not upset in a good way but in like a are you like really like what what is like the standard right what is the standard that we're holding people to and so in a in a competition where you're looking at five you're the top five and all top five are probably arguably in our top 10 movies of the year some of them making their way into our top five or top 10 movies of all time, then, then yeah, you're, you're going to make the competition hard and you can't, you can be more excited for someone to win over someone else. But I don't see a situation this year where someone won it who didn't deserve it over someone else. And I think that's more than anything, what I was trying to get at. I, I also think like, it's not a snub because of how many nominations they get. Like you don't get invited to the party if you're being snubbed, you know, like they got a lot of recognition. And like you're saying, like the the reason that they're nominated in these slots of five is that they're the best of the best. And I, I agree that the categories were really tough to choose from. And like, I, I don't even like to use their example, like Joker was not my favorite movie, but like the best part of that movie and like the entire movie was carried by Joaquin Phoenix's acting. So I think he deserves that award, 100%. Well, I also think Irishman was just as good, but for different reasons. And that movie is split up between different actors so well that I don't think that it relied on any one of them the way that that movie did. And it's a really impressive feat. So, And I can kind of say something about like a lot of the categories that won, where I'm like, I haven't seen 1917 yet, which doesn't come out until this week anyway. But um, like, other than that, I was like, yeah, I, I... think that they were pretty fair with yeah, and I like think, both what was nominated and what won like they had really a, good it, spoiled for choice on good options on yeah, like I, everything I think I think you said it best so with with the whole the sheer amount of nominations would to you indicate non-snubbery but I would say like why that, would they like, like Right. acknowledge them that highly if they so, don't care right and so the way that and at the end they they show you how the whole process works right and so they all the members of the the voting committee they do the nominations and then they vote based on a tiered system we don't know what number two was like number two could have maybe two and three would have gone netflix netflix but we never see or that how tight they were like right. was it a split between it, 50 points or was it a split of 10 points exactly and so i think because of that i think you like you identifying and i think this to me is it was a better way or maybe maybe a more um a more articulate way of approaching what i was what i was thinking or trying to say to patrick earlier today the the sheer fact that they got that many nominations and they were invited to the party would indicate to me that it's not a snubbing that it that it was probably much closer and because we don't see what happens in two three four and five 
it, it may not at all be a thing that that's the, it, it may have just been slightly edged out by whatever the thing that took the top spot was. So let me correct one thing really quickly before we move on. Um, Roma did win best foreign film last last year, but the winner oh, of the best film. drama oh, yeah. was Bohemian Rhapsody, which was garbage. By that oh, was yeah. should not have won. I did not I, best yes, drama. One hundred percent. That was that a was, big yeah. mistake. Yeah. Uh, but Bohemian Rhapsody is actually that was a one really drama motion picture. Not yeah. good. But congratulations, Leica. Thank you for taking yeah, that. Yeah. Congratulations. Win. And and again, yeah. he, Here's the thing. We are still in a environment where movie purists believe that Netflix somehow does not count because it circumvents the big screen experience and it allows the people it gives money to because it does now certainly we have big name directors that are are being given a platform again we've been talking about Scorsese this episode but there are complete unknowns that are also be get, being given opportunities to use Netflix and unfortunately there are people in the industry that feels like that is allowing them to avoid uh, having to pay their dues and work their way up like everybody else because someone's just handing them a stack of money and letting them make a film and they don't have a history. And so there are purists that are very negative on Netflix. Now, this goes back to what I was saying earlier when we talked about The Irishman. It's the reason I wanted to make the point then. I am not sure who would have made The Irishman if Netflix did not make The Irishman. And so the fact is, we are absolutely... Um, we as a as consumers benefit, but then also these actors, these directors and producers, mm-hmm. the, the the you know DPs and operators and gaffers and all the people that work on these films, you know, um, third makeup artist, uh, whatever. Uh, everybody, it, all this whole industry is benefiting from the fact that Netflix is putting these dollars and giving people a platform, but then also not. Uh, of course, they ultimately have to make money and be sustainable, but it seems that they're allowing people to have a bit truer to their vision uh, come come to fruition in some cases. I mean, there are articles of, of directors saying that I chose to go with Netflix because they were let me make the movie that I actually wanted to make. So that said, um, Netflix does still face opposition. There are award shows that have barred Netflix films from participating, and um, there are still directors and actors and things like that that look down on anyone that participates with the platform and in fact Andrew I think you said that Scorsese was one of the people that actually yeah, used to that talk was Scorsese a couple of years he ago was. Yeah, exactly so, yeah so I yeah, I, I, I was I gonna do, say something yeah I do hope for greater acceptance uh and that we don't view it as the it has to run through the cinema or it's garbage and I I hope that what we saw at the Golden Globes is not indicative <coughs> of uh, the kind of leftover of yeah. that, uh, you know, uh, purist film mentality. So I have, anyway, I have an idea, Lauren. and I know Lauren has an idea, but le- I think I know yep. what the answer here is. I think it gets so much flack because it refers to films as flicks. Mm. Net net film. If they called themselves that net film, people would net have film. would have no hard. <laughs> would, it wouldn't be hard at all for them to take them seriously. Send an email. We'll find someone who will email them. All right, Lauren, all right, Lauren, say something actually real now. Okay, uh, I was gonna say that I love that Netflix is making it like impossible to ignore them. They're like, you don't want to include us? Screw you. We're just gonna make the best movie of the year, and if you don't want to include it, then everybody is gonna compare it to the fact that you left it off the list. Like, yeah. You know, 
and I'll, I'll say one more thing and I'll be done. Uh, and then I'll be finished. We can wrap up this episode. Um, Netflix obviously started as I still have a, my category. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. We're, we're category seven. Okay, I'll say this and then Andrew can go and he can wrap up the episode. Uh, Netflix initially was this aggregate. We could watch things online and everything was aggregated together in one place. And then we ran into the issue of licensing, splitting things up, and Netflix was they started creating original content. Remember when their first shows came out? Remember when they only had two or three original shows on the platform? And then they they pushed farther into that. And then people started complaining that, oh, but it's it's just quantity and not quality. Well, look what has followed. I mean, uh, Netflix is producing these incredible films um, that uh, are getting recognized, even if I complain that they aren't. And, uh, and they just announced, a, I don't know if y'all saw today, they just announced a whole new slate today of directors and film projects, which are incredible, which we didn't even talk about. We'll talk about next week. Uh, there's um, one really good one I'm so excited for. We'll talk about it some other time, but there's a okay. lot of good things on that list. I haven't but seen that, the list yet, so I'm excited to hear about it. But it's yeah, easy I'll, to I'll feel, listen to next week's show. <laughs> it's easy to feel like Netflix, Netflix is, is reacting in response to the public. But the reality is these things have... Uh, they, we see the tail of these projects. These projects have been in the works for six months or a year or two mm-hmm. years or some amount of time. And so the reality is Netflix is still doing an incredible job at anticipating what consumers are going to want in the direction the industry is going because for them to be here bringing out quality right at the time when people were complaining about quality, they made that decision before people started complaining about it. And so I, I, I think yeah. it's incredible that as a company, they've managed to, to continue to chart their course yeah. along with the industry. And so they've been very prophetic in that way. And I do hope that that is able to continue. So, Andrew, I'll turn it over to you now. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. As After completely, uh, just completely disregarding my category. It's funny. Well, that's I- it. As we, as we were talking through this, I was like, I should have gone first because this is going to go super quick. I just have a product that I've seen that I want to just talk about, and I should have done this first, but that's on me. Um, so there's a product that I saw toward the end of last year that, um, like, I find all of my products. It's through Instagram that I found this, but uh, it's through a company called Loom Room, L-U-M-E Room, R-O-O-M, and it's a, a product called the Balance Lamp. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Okay. I love this. Uh, since you posted it. <laughs> so it, it absolutely hits this uh, perfect blend of high design and um, not quite necessary functionality. <laughs> um, but it's like it's like a you know, it's a perfect, um, perfect blend of that. So what this is, yeah, is it looks pretty. like a Dyson fan where it's essentially like a big oval and it's all wood encased and it's a big oval it looks like a dyson fan so you can put your hand through it but it's a light the inside has led strips that are that are uh lit and there's a base and the way that you turn the light on there is kinetic magnets that uh that attach to each other so there's a string on the bottom and a string on the top with two wooden um like spheres essentially that have kinetic magnets in them that when you push when you pull the top one up it grabs on to the uh, the like the magnetic pull um of the other one they yeah Yeah. they they never touch so there's always a gap between them but it it holds and that that uh connection uh completes the circuit to turn the light on 
Um, Very cool. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I would have never thought of. First of all, there's thousands of things I would have never thought of, but after I saw it, I'm like, I absolutely (laughs) love this. I don't know how practical it is, but from a design standpoint, I'm actually very intrigued by this kind of, of, of direction for, um, for like, everyday use items right so it's it's a little bit uh bringing high high fashion or high design to something that's very practical something or something that would normally be very practical something that's used regularly um and so Mm uh like for me i don't know like i guess it's no no different than maybe the 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 old school like pull chain light but it has like a new take on that pull chain light. Um, but it's it's very very cool, Patrick. What did you, what do you think it about is it? Cool, man. I I can't believe I haven't bought one yet. And in fact, I have one sitting in my cart right now. I have to ask Mackenzie. Hey, they're on if sale wants, right now. They are on sale like right 70 now. Seventy bucks. I have to ask Mackenzie if she wants uh, black or wood. Um, so they come in four colors. There's there's regular there's uh yeah. there's white and then there's like uh like a birch wood. There's red and then there's black. Yes. Um, but no, I, I, I love this, man. I, I, I would be so proud to have, des- to have designed something like this. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it has the look of something that could ultimately be iconic and long living. You know, right. when we look at these big furniture makers now that, um, like someone like Herman Miller or like, the the Eames, uh, design or, or, um, you think about like the Poeng chair from like Ikea, like yeah, that. The, the, yeah. Yeah. The, these are designs that we continue to recreate them, right? This is something that, that was made at one point and it was just uh, simplistic and comfortable and beautiful. And then we continue to re- reproduce this and in, in, it becomes timeless that way. And I could totally see a design like this being timeless in, in, the, in mm-hmm. the same type of way. I'm actually surprised at how inexpensive it is because if well, you were to go buy a desk lamp like this from a company like Herman Miller or... Uh, even like uh, maybe Blue Dot or Knoll or some of those places, mm-hmm. you're going to spend more than $70, which is what this one costs right now. You might spend $250. So I, I think it's an incredible price. I think it's a beautiful design. And the reviews for it seem to be really, really good. It I seems know. to be basically all five-star mm-hmm. reviews. So I will be owning one of these, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought of you when I saw it. I thought this is something that's up Patrick's alley, and I've been waiting to talk about to show you until we talked about it on the show because I wanted to get your real time reaction, and it's been, <laughs> it's been something that I've wanted to talk about for several weeks, and so I was hoping that you wouldn't go through and look at my show notes. Um, <laughs> no, I, was, I don't. I don't pay attention. Right, to you. I was banking on the fact that I knew you well <laughs> enough to know you that you would never be interested in what I have to talk about. So. Um, uh, it's very, very cool. Loom room. There's a link to it in the show notes. It's on sale right now. It's normally 120 bucks. You can get it for $70 right now. And that actually is a sale price. Because when I first looked at these, they were 120 bucks. Um, so it doesn't feel like this is like a, you know, like a, 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 it's always on sale. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that's the the case. Um, but it's a crazy story real quick. You want to hear a crazy story real quick? Always. Yeah. JC Penny. They tried to do this thing because you know if you go to a store, you go to buy clothing, it's always twenty percent off, twenty five percent off, thirty five percent off, whatever. So they decided we're done with sales. No more sales. We're just gonna take that lowest price, and that's gonna become the forever price. Yeah. And so they rolled out this low price guarantee thing for their stores. So every day was sale day basically, but it was just the regularly marked price. Their sales went down something ridiculous like 20%. Wow. 
And so <laughs> then they had to jack the price up, put everything back on sale, and then their their sales returned. So it turns out, like, if you see something and it's on sale and you think, oh, I should act now, <laughs> ah, it's probably someone pulling one over on you. It's probably not really on sale. That's just the normal price and it has a red line through it. So they're not they're, they're not losing uh they're not losing money off of you if you buy it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The best way to save money on a, a product is just to not buy the product. Yep. That's the only way you're ever saving. <laughs> the money, only so. way to stick it to the people making the product is to not buy <laughs> right. it from them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Solid strategy. Yeah. As being a person who sells things, do you see uh an uptick on on things when things go on sale? Yeah, like when I run a sale, yeah. I always have increased number of sales, but I do not jack up the prices and cheat. Never, I would, I would never. No, do you that. actually do it. Do it. <laughs> no, I mean it would be noticeable, like if you thought about it, because like if you've saved the item, like and it's like a fixed cost, and you calculate what the yeah sale should be, like it'd be I'm really gonna, obvious. I'll save like, this for another episode, but I, as a developer, I've been asked to implement some pretty sneaky stuff oh well, i can't so, wait yeah. to talk about this i'll, I'll save it for another episode but I'll, I'll tell you some i i will make you angry with some of the stuff that i've been asked to implement uh, i used to work for a baseball team so like marketing strategies like are all over the place <laughs> like people do all kinds of things <laughs> all over the baseball diamond yeah. Okay, well, that's uh, maybe that wasn't as quite a throwaway category as I thought it was going to be. It's a it's a super fun product. Uh, go check it out if you're into that kind of design and and pick one up if you are. Um, otherwise, just come to Patrick's house and and play with his dongle. Yeah. <laughs> We're ending you? every episode with a weird like <laughs> sexual innuendo. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of. Uh, we do have oh, yeah. uh, something to uh, to give away. So before we get out of this episode, if you remember last week, we gave away my box and we gave it to uh, Trav. Uh, this week, we're giving away a box from Lauren's studio. And so, uh, Lauren, take it away. Who's going to win your studio box? And the winner is friend of the pod, Spencer Howard. Spencer hey. Howard. How, how, how? Yeah, Price is Right music plays. It's great. (laughs) So Spencer uh, will send you a message and get your address and make it. uh, you win a fabulous box of good stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited to see what is in that one because yours is probably the best. It's going to be a fun one. (laughs) I think he's like building out a movie room or something because I know he's been recently like or like buying up posters and stuff. So I think he's like in the process of setting up his like nerd space. Hmm. Okay. So he's That's good to be, know. He's going to be excited. Yeah, that is exciting. All right. So it sounds to me like we only have one studio box left to give. And mm-hmm. uh, do. that's for Patrick Hill's box. I'm so excited. So I'm going to take everything I'm yeah. supposed to have sent to Patrick Azkaban. I'm going to put it in a box. <laughs> all the stuff that you've <laughs> already purchased for him. And it's just going to go to whoever gets this box. <laughs> So Patrick, no, Patrick, I, fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully you can win this one, buddy. As my, yes, this might be the box for you, bud. We know you're gonna love it. <laughs> no, I, I have I have some very very fun surprises planned for this. I I promise you, my box will be richer than your box. Okay, so mm. that's that. All right. Uh, so you know the drill. If you don't, tell them. Yeah. So all you gotta do, we are going to. Share a graphic, but also this episode is out and it has a graphic. So what you need to do, go to Instagram, 
share the graphic. All right, you need to share it on your account. Uh, tag us, obviously, so we can find it. Otherwise, we have no idea what you do. But share the graphic, tag us. So you can either share this episode or you can share the actual box graphic that will go out as well. You can Put also it on, do it on Twitter. You can also do it on Twitter. Um, you could, I, I don't know. I, those are really the, honestly, do it on Twitter and Instagram. You could do it on Facebook, but we don't go to Facebook. It's scary and weird and they steal our stuff. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, and Instagram I is owned by, owned Facebook. by Facebook. I understand how this works. <laughs> it's just different. Okay. It's just different. But the point is share the episode, share this, this wonderful goodness with your friends. And as a reward for you sharing the thing you love with the people you care most about, you have a chance of winning my stuff. Yeah. Which is what so, it's always been about. <laughs> what has yeah, it all just been a chance for? to take my stuff? Yeah, they can also do a review, Patrick. Did you say that? Remember, we want people you to review. go on to iTunes. Look up Master of One Network, M of One Network. You're probably on it right now. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Preferably five stars. But if you want to be, if you want to give us three, I'll take three. But I mean, that also you'll this make week, us cry. It's okay. Yeah, this week that also enters you as a for a chance to win. So if you do it on Twitter, if you do it on Instagram, and if you rate and review the show. That will give you three opportunities to win. And so, uh, hey. That's right. There's rate and review the show. You need to leave a review so we know. If you leave a rating, I won't know who you are. So make sure you leave a review. And uh, and then we'll read your review on air. And then you have a chance again to win really, really good limited stuff. Okay. I'm, I am down for that. Big time. All right. So uh, I think for now, we're going to get out of this episode. You can find us on mof1.network where you can find show notes and links can to all I the stuff. We t- one thing I'll put in this box. Cool. Sure. I will put in a key. You're going to give it 30. away? I will put in a key to Club 33 in this box. What? Ooh. You can only get that key if you go to Dang. Club 33. And wow. I'm telling you right now, I will put a key to Club 33 in this box. If we're doing that. Dang then I think you need to have it be only reviews because that's a freaking, that's a thing. Like, like that's a real thing. Like we need to change it up into where it's only the reviews. If you're putting something like that in there. Okay. That's you're, fine. Yeah. You're putting the flex on like, like yeah, like that to me sounds like, yeah. okay, that's, that's real deal. Um, that's, that's, that's a real deal. So, uh, that's no BS. I think we adjust it and you, you, uh, have to rate and review. I think so that's, we will we will mm-hmm. post the rule the the, the, uh, <laughs> the rules will go out in the Instagram post read the Instagram post play along tell your friends don't be selfish about this yeah and uh, that is one of the things you can expect yeah that's pretty incredible I might enter yeah that's a great price <laughs> I mean I already ha- I already have one but I'd like to have a second in case something happens to this one so um, like your Star Wars cards <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly right um, all right so uh, like I was saying go to mf1.network you can find show notes and links to the stuff we talked about we talked about a lot of cool stuff uh, go see it buy it patronize these incredible t- talented people um that's what they're there for and that's they'll continue to create new and good things if people keep buying their current things and so go do that um and then uh rate and review the show like patrick said to get a chance to win some really really cool stuff and uh join us on the slack channel go to m of one.network slash slack to join the conversation on there people in there day and night every single every single day 
all across the world. Uh, some people are going to sleep while other people are waking up. So the conversation is ever flowing in there. Uh, join us in there to, to have that conversation. And, um, and I think that's all social media M of one podcast on all the different platforms. I think for now, that's probably fine. Uh, mm -hmm. tell them where they can find you, Lauren. I am not cool. Co on, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And, or sorry, not cool company on Instagram and not cool co everywhere else. And I also want to shout out that Magician starts next week. So everybody, you have one week to catch up. <laughs> you have been warned. Uh, and I'm yeah. at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. Patrick, you are? The Great Pats, B, that's with two A's. And also I want to shout out The Bachelor started back tonight. <laughs> that is true. Do you watch The Bachelor? So no, buckle up. No, oh. he's that's, here. That's where our he's wives here are. Right now. He's here clearly... um, right, well, so... like, right now. He's clearly. All right. Well, like, you can watch it later. Like, Stop. No, 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 no. You can't. TV is live or it's nothing at all. All right, we're going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. <laughs> I'm Lauren. I'm Patrick. Peace out. Adios. Win that key. Riga Bapi. Mm -hmm.